What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another beautiful day here on the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. It's me, Derek. Uh, excited to be with you. If you're joining us for the first time, a little bit about us at the Lifestyle Practice. We are in business essentially to help dentists to reach their maximum lifestyle using their dental practice as the vehicle. And uh, we do that in a couple ways. We have our online course, TLP Academy, that we have recently revamped that we've gotten a lot of good feedback on. And then the other is through one-on-one coaching. So feel free to reach out to any of us at any point if you have any questions or are interested in pushing things and taking your lifestyle and your practice to the next level. I am uh, joining you today as I'm recording this. It's July 1st. I, uh, interestingly, I was having some pain. If you don't like stories, go ahead and fast forward about a minute in this and you can just skip this because it's not applicable to the podcast. But um, about, I don't know, a year and a half ago, I started having pain in my toe and it was right after I bought a a new pair of Nikes. And I thought that it was those shoes. So I stopped wearing those shoes. And then I started feeling the pain again in a different pair of shoes. So then I switched again. And eventually over time just started having pain. And it was never real bad, but it would be when I would walk a lot or stuff like that. And I started feeling it more and more when I'd play tennis or racquetball, things where I had to move pretty fast and kind of put pressure and stop really fast. So, uh, I just started Googling one day. It's kind of funny that I never even thought about that I would have an ingrown toenail, but I was just like trying to Google my symptoms and figure it out and figured, oh, I probably have an ingrown toenail. Although I never had any like swelling or like any sign of infection. Uh, I went to my GP and she, uh, cut it out. Um, basically the one, the one side where I was having pain, felt really good for, you know, about a month. And then the pain started coming back and has gotten even worse than it was the first time. Called the GP back and they wanted to send me to a podiatrist. Saw a podiatrist yesterday and I, uh, we basically did the same thing again. And he told me, uh, he removed everything and showed me, yeah, it wasn't totally removed the first time. You know, I wasn't upset or bothered. I know that's just kind of partially the way things go and partially because I'm a general dentist and there's times when I have complications and I've got to refer to the specialist. And so anyway, it was an, it was a, it was an interesting experience as, uh, he got me numb. Oh, interestingly, he used, uh, basically endo ice on my toe to get, uh, before giving me the injections. Uh, my GP didn't do that when she did it, just jabbed me in and kind of numbed me up. And it was more painful with my GP and, uh, with the, with the, what I'm calling the endo ice, I felt a lot less painful. And so I told him that I was like, man, that's, that ice stuff works really well on uh, before the injections. And he's like, yeah, interesting. He's like, when I, he's like, if I have to get an injection, I don't like it. Cause I feel like it makes it sting more. And, uh, 
Anyway, uh, that was an interesting side note. The other interesting side note that's partially related to dentistry is that he's uh, got me numb, started, uh, he put almost like this little tourniquet around my toe. He was squeezing my toe and then put a tourniquet basically on it. And he said he was doing that basically to try and kind of squeeze as much blood out as possible so that when he's working, that there was there just kind of keeps a clean field. So that was interesting. And then um, as he started working, I was feeling a little bit of pain. It wasn't bad, but I let him know. I said, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit, a little bit of pain. And he said, pain or pressure? <laughs> and if I, if all of us dentists could, you know, I had a nickel for every time we said that to a patient. And so, you know, in my head, I was like, dude, you know, I'm a dentist. I know the difference between pain and pressure. And uh, so I told him, yeah, it's, it's pain. He got me numb. He did the same injections again. And then as he starts working again, still felt the same pain. It wasn't, it wasn't bad, but it was still pain. I let it, I told him, I said, I'm still feeling a little bit of pain. And he said, all right, suck it up, buttercup. (laughs) And, you know, he finishes, the pain never got real bad. And anyway, I kind of felt bad later for telling him that I was still having pain when, you know, the answer was just to suck it up. And it wasn't, it, it wasn't that bad. I was just nervous that it was going to get worse, which I have heard patients say that many times saying, oh, the the pain was never real bad, but I was just worried that, you know, you're going to put more pressure on it and it's going to get even worse. Anyway, just a very, I think it's good to have experiences once in a while like that because it really helps us to relate to our patients. So, Almost 24 hours later, after having the procedure done, I am recording this podcast. I'm so sorry. I told you to fast forward only a minute and ended up being like five minutes. Today, the topic, I want to jump into something that I am pretty passionate about in dentistry. And that is because I feel like it is one of the very best things in dentistry and that is the use of the intraoral camera. In my opinion, the intraoral camera is the highest ROI instrument that we have currently in dentistry. So at the same time, and in that same respect, I also believe that it is the most underutilized instrument in dentistry as well. So today I'm going to kind of share with you the top ways that you can use your intraoral camera and how I'm using it, and how I believe most dentists are not doing things, and how you can push it to the next level. Instead of just taking pictures to explain things, you can go above and beyond, and I'm going to share how I do that in my practice, and hopefully uh, these things are applicable and help you to, to kind of transform and make some differences in your, in your practice. So, it's pretty cool. A few years ago, I was getting, you know, just a routine oil change, And uh, I was sitting there in the waiting room and the guy that was doing the oil change came into the, out into the waiting room and he had a couple things in his hands. I I don't remember for sure what it was at the time. I think it it was maybe like air filters. So he showed me what like normal use looks like in an air filter. And then he showed me what mine looked like. And he just explained the possible issues with it. And then he asked me if I wanted to replace it. You know, I, I I had never had that type of experience before. I'd always just been given, hey, we recommend you replace this. Do you want to do it? But, you know, seeing things up close and, and hearing an explanation directly from him, 
whether or not they were actually being honest, it made me feel like they were being honest. And, you know, it felt very low pressure. They were giving me the information and letting me make the decision on it. And I believe that is a huge component that is missing in dentistry and even in healthcare in in general. We should be giving our patients the information and helping them make the best decisions for themselves, not just giving them our cookie cutter approach, even if it's not cookie cutter, if it's our top recommended, what we believe is really the best for them. If, if we're not giving them options and explaining things, uh, I think we're doing a little bit of a disservice. So in that way, that's what I believe the intraoral camera is like in our practices. It really is the best way to be able to convey information to patients. So I'm going to run through different scenarios. And so first, we'll just go through what probably all of you or most of you are already doing. And that just has to do with taking pictures of existing conditions in people's mouths. And that has to do with in in hygiene. And that's new patients coming in. In my practice, they come in through hygiene and also just recall patients. My hygienists take pictures of everything that they see that they believe that could be causing an issue. And they put the pictures up on the TV before I ever come into the room. They're not treatment planning. They're not diagnosing, but they are showing pictures to the patient of what they're seeing. They're just basically giving their experience. They're just say, you know, in, in, in what I normally see, this is what Dr. Williams normally will recommend. And this is why here's the issue behind, you know, what we can see here. So they have a lot of that discussion beforehand and they're pretty on top of it. And that's honestly a huge part of it comes from years of listening to me talk to the patients and answering those kinds of questions. So after time, you know, they've heard it so many times that they're able to relay that same information. So the majority of the time, by the time I come into the room, the patient already has a pretty good idea of what's going on. The pictures, when I'm showing them the pictures and talking through things, it's not the first time. It's now the second time and the second time that they can ask questions and try and understand what their options are and make a decision on what they need to do. In my opinion, because of that, my case acceptance is is much higher. And that has a lot to do with just hearing the same thing from multiple sources. You know, anytime that we're always trying to make a decision and we hear the same thing from multiple different places, uh, that adds a lot of validity and and, and credibility to, to whatever we're looking into. So even if it's at the same place, both of those sources, my hygienist and myself, are both in my practice. But just because it's coming from two different people, people believe those things more readily and they're able to put a little bit more trust into the the recommendations and and the discussion. So make sure that you're doing that and make sure you're drying off the teeth to get good pictures. And, you know, if the hygienist took a picture that doesn't look great or show, you know, what you're really trying to convey, don't feel bad about taking another picture. Because again, that's teaching the hygienist and you can even explain it while you're doing it. Yeah, I just like to get the the tooth dry and, you know, you can see from this angle how you can see it a little bit better. And I like to get back a little bit farther, you know, even a centimeter or an inch 
further back so I can see the whole tooth. Explaining things like that is giving feedback to your hygienist while you're training at the same time and it's it's going to improve their quality. So really good things to do with your your hygienist and what how that's going to change your your exams. The other way that that plays into it when you're consistently using intraoral pictures is that when you're showing those pictures to the patient the patient is able to take responsibility for things. Compare that to a time when a patient comes into a practice and they just get recommendations for what treatment is needed. It's printed out or, you know, it's even if it's a good discussion, even if even if it's the dentist saying, yeah, you've got some issues here. Here's what I see and here's what I recommend. You know, the patient really just has to trust that dentist. Really, you know, they have really no proof at all. And pictures, even though if, if a dentist really wanted to, to kind of twist things, they could take a picture and explain it in, you know, some odd way that makes the patient feel like they have to get things done. But if you're always going to be honest, adding those pictures into it and showing those things gives the patient responsibility. They can take ownership. Uh, you know, how many times have you put pictures up and the patient will say, oh, those are my teeth? You know, it's almost, almost like in disbelief. They've never seen big pictures of their teeth like that. And that's, that's a, such a great thing in my mind. And it, it works later back in treatment too, because, you know, I've got pictures, you know, from a year ago, you know, maybe before we did anything and I say, Oh, remember, this is what your tooth looked like. So again, uh, just another way of helping the patient to take responsibility for what's going on in, in their mouth. Okay. Let's, let's jump to the next scenario, which is treatment or basically procedures when patients are getting procedures done. I will almost always uh, pull those pictures back up of what I had before, have them on the screen and just review really quickly with the patient. Okay. Remember just a quick recap. Here's what we talked about. So here's the teeth. This is what our plan is. This is what we're going to do today. You know, very simple, brief, but make sure that we're on the same page. And that's a great thing to do. The other thing that plays into that as well is if you have any concerns as far as how deep the decay is going to be, you know, at the same time, show them on the x-rays how close the decay is to the nerve and talk through the possibilities of the tooth flaring up after you can talk through the possibility of, of a root canal. In general, I believe that the least amount of treatment with a successful outcome is the best approach, but I always try and let patients give their input too. Um, and some patients you'll find some would rather just have the, the root canal and be done and, and not deal with the possibility of pain. Others are okay with rolling the dice. And I would say the majority of people are okay with that option when they're presented with an option that, hey, this could be bothering you, but we may not have to do a root canal. Is that a risk you're willing to take? Most people would rather not have the root canal and deal with the possibility of pain and having to go back later. But that's kind of beside the point. But again, this is all helping you to have those kinds of, of conversations before. The better you get at those conversations before, the better your outcomes are going to be later. So next scenario, still in the treatment phase, but it's not before treatment, it is during treatment. Okay, so here's, here's the first one. This happens every once in a while, and I'm sure this has happened to all of us. The patient's numb, you know, you're working on tooth, and you notice decay that you didn't see before, 
or you know something new that's on a on an adjacent tooth or or something like that. The thoughts start going through your head. Uh, I'll, I'll just make a note. I'll bring it up at their next recall. I don't want to o- overwhelm them. You know, I feel bad. They're already getting this done, and now I found another tooth with an issue. But here's the thing: people hate having work done. They hate having multiple appointments and having to come in multiple times and get numb multiple times. So in my experience, they really appreciate the opportunity to decide if they want to get it done right then. You know, most of the time when they're already numb and it's something simple like that, it takes an extra five minutes, you know, to get something, uh, an extra filling or something done really quickly. It's easier. So therefore it's also more profitable and the patient is happy that they don't have to come back again. I usually just take a picture of it. I'll sit the patient up, show them the picture and say, hey, I just wanted to show you something that I can see. You know, I was was working on this tooth and I was able to see a cavity right here on this other tooth. It's totally up to you. You know, I'm fine with with whatever you want to do, but I figured I'd ask. If you want, we can go ahead and do this filling while you're already numb and, and be done with it. If you'd rather not, that's fine, but I just wanted to give you the option so that you don't have to come back for another appointment. And then I just, I just listen and 99.9% of the time, you know, I, I honestly, I can't think of a time off the top of my head when someone has said no, that they didn't want to do it. I'm sure it's happened, but it's super rare. So why, why would you not ask the patient, ask the patient, be upfront, be honest, let them make the decision. It's not your fault that they, that you saw decay. You, you should not feel responsibility for that. Why do we do that? I don't know. Patients are smarter than we give them credit for a lot of times. A lot of times it's, it's, it's us that are holding ourselves back because of the, you know, the script we're playing through our head. Okay, so the next scenario is still mid-procedure. And it is basically when I'm going to take a picture to show deep decay or a deep crack or anything like that. And the majority of the time, we've already had the discussion beforehand. But, and, and so you know, let's say, let's say we talked about it beforehand and then there's a nerve exposure. So I'll take a picture, I'll sit them up and I'll just say, Hey, I just wanted to get, keep you in the loop. I, we went and removed the decay. The nerve's been exposed. So we're going to go ahead and do the root canal like we talked about or, you know, whatever the scenario is, but patients really appreciate having a picture and just being kept in the loop and, and knowing that you are really trying to keep their interests at heart. It can make a huge difference in the way that they feel about their treatment that it just it just makes such a big difference in in the outcome when they feel uh, a sense of compassion all along the way so i would i would encourage all of you to try and implement that in in whatever way that you can okay the the next scenario is after the procedure so i take pictures during the procedure obviously before and then during the procedure Uh, If it's a lot of decay, I'll just snap a quick picture, literally five to 10 seconds to get that picture. And then I will show that to them after the procedure. And, you know, I have kind of a a standard thing that I'll say something like, hey, I just want to let you know, you know, anytime there's deep decay, I always show patients and, you know, I'll just talk about the possibilities of having pain in the tooth in the future, uh, possibility for uh, a root canal. You know, at the same time, if this were my tooth, I would do exactly what we're doing, um, which is true, by the way. But, you know, I would I would still approach it this way. There's a high chance that we won't have to do anything more with the tooth. 
And uh, I, th- I think that's the best way to go. But I want to do my job too and take pictures, let you know what I'm seeing and let you know the possibility. And then I just let, let them ask any questions that, that they have. So obviously, if you practice differently and you do root canals more aggressively than I do, then that's a conversation that you'd want to have before the procedure, like we were talking about, to let them know that you would recommend a root canal. And then you could still do the same thing, taking a picture halfway through to show how deep the decay was or pus coming out of the tooth or whatever. You know, some might argue with me and say, oh, patients don't want to see that nasty, nasty pictures and stuff like that. But, you know, I I still think... Uh, showing them what you saw, I, I I rarely, rarely get anyone that's grossed out and like, like, oh, I really didn't want to see that. You know, almost everyone says, oh, wow, that's really what it looked like. I can't believe that. You know, they're almost kind of intrigued and appreciate the time and attention that you're, you're giving uh, to them. So again, that helps uh, with my patient satisfaction after, because the majority of the time we don't have any issues. But they go into it knowing, oh man, this this cavity was really deep, and you know he he did everything he could, and man, I really appreciate that. And oh wow, I'm not even having any pain. So it, you're just kind of trying to set them up for success in, in that way. So the the last way that I use the intraoral camera is again still after the procedure, and this is has to do with taking before and after pictures, and I love taking before and after pictures. I don't do it 100% of the time, but pretty close to it because even for fillings, it takes an extra 30 seconds to take a couple pictures after you're done and, you know, just put them on the screen as the patient's sitting up. They almost always get, you know, just like a little smile out of it. It's, it's not a huge deal, but it's little things like that where you can say, okay, here's what it looked like before. There's the cavity and here's after. Here's where we did the filling. Again, not a huge deal, but that's something small that is going to set you apart from other offices. You know, how many patients are going to have that type of experience? And patients love to talk about with their friends things that their dentist did or that their dentist has that they've never seen before or never experienced before. So just having something like that to show before and after pictures can really go a long way And it also can go a long way in just helping patients to see the value in what you do. If you never show any pictures and you tell patients they have cavities and they come in and get fillings, they really have no method or or logic for evaluating what you did and, and any value that they're getting from it. All they know is they had a cavity, now it's fixed, but they're not their mouth is numb and kind of sore later. When you can show pictures and you show this, you know, really nice white filling after or something like that, that goes such a long way to help them see the value in, in what you're providing to them. Now, quickly going along with this, this isn't necessarily have to do with intraoral cameras, but this is a good time to talk about it. A very simple thing that you can tell your patients when you're talking through these pictures and everything is just saying something like, man, it's a good thing that you, you know, you got it done really quickly. If you would have, you know, let that go or put on the back burner, it could have easily gotten a lot worse. So basically what we're trying to do is we're trying to reinforce good behavior. When you make a recommendation to a patient and they follow through with it, you you want to reward them in a way. 
So, you know, if you, if you're constantly saying things like this to patients, like, man, you're, you're always really good at whenever I recommend something, you do it so quickly. And I think that goes a long way in like why your teeth are in pretty good shape and why, you know, you still have all your teeth. I, I mean, I'm sure we've all had patients that are, you know, get to a certain age and are so proud that they still have all their teeth. But you can reinforce that good behavior by saying things like that. And when you do it, how do you think they're going to react in the future when you recommend treatment? You know, even if it's the first time, you can say, man, I'm, I'm impressed. Some patients, you know, kind of let things go. But man, as soon as I told you, you just jumped on the ball and we got this done. And it's really good because we didn't end up having a drill as deep or, you know, something like that. And when you can, when you can say things like that, you're setting yourself up or setting the patient up for success in the future. Because in the future, when you give, give them a, a diagnosis and recommendation for treatment, they're going to show their proactivity almost like a badge by saying, okay, when are we going to do it, doc? And, and it's going to make a big difference. So those are, my, those are really kind of my top ways for, for how you can implement changes and really kind of fully maximize the, the use out of your intraoral camera. And it can really change your practice in the way that you communicate, the way that patients perceive what you're doing and the value that you're adding and really kind of help take your practice to, to the next level because it's going to help you increase case acceptance, patient satisfaction, you know, the feedback in the reviews, which is going to lead to more new patients coming in. So push it you know, find, find these little ways, you know, I know I've mentioned it before, but a lot of times in in a lot of ways in life, we're just looking for this magic bullet. We're looking for this one thing that's going to radically change our lives or our practices or lifestyle or whatever. But when the truth of the matter is that more often than not, it's, you know, a hundred little things that are all going to small, be small additions that are going to add up over time to these huge changes in productivity and profitability and all of those things. So thank you guys for listening. Hope you have a a great week. If you have any other ways that you are utilizing your intraoral cameras in communication or or whatever that I didn't mention in here, would love it if you would uh, post on our, our Facebook page, the Lifestyle Practice Podcast for dentists and you know, share with us what you've got going on and and what you've figured out that maybe I I didn't cover. As always, feel free to reach out to any of us, Derek, Steve, or Justin at thelifestylepractice.com. Take care, guys. See ya.